0: You know, for those of you that were not here last week or might be visiting, I began a mini-series, a three-week series on the last half of Romans 8. That's pretty specific. But uh, but Romans 1 through 8, if you're not familiar with that, is known as the Gospel according to Paul, where Paul is trying to present the Gospel in a very comprehensive way. In some ways, but in a very elaborate way, in other ways, because he's trying to introduce the gospel to the Romans because of the tensions and challenges that were going on there and trying to get them on the same page because of those tensions and challenges. And he's trying to say, this is the gospel. It's gospel message, good news message for Jews and Gentiles because of that tension that existed there. And he's trying to say, it's not by works, it's by faith. It's trusting in the Lord Jesus for your salvation. And he builds that case in Romans 1 through 4. And by the time he gets to chapter 5, he's saying, and this is how it works out in your life and your community. And it's interesting what he spends a lot of time focusing on because of the challenges that existed in the early church. He spends a lot of time focusing on the suffering and the pain and the struggles. The trials and temptations that they faced as the early church. And so chapter 5 actually begins with this whole notion and idea of suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. So last week we talked a little bit about suffering and we also talked about hope. And for those of you that in, in particular weren't here last week, we talked about how Paul mentions at the beginning of verse 18 and through the first section of what we covered, how the suffering of this life cannot be compared to the glory that we will experience hereafter. In other words, if you think about what we go through now, everything we go through now is temporary, it's temporal. The glory that we will experience with Christ and through Christ is eternal. So let's get a proper mindset and perspective that all suffering, no matter what we're going through, is temporary. But it's interesting because if you heard today's passage, he begins today's passage with the word weakness. So you begin to get this idea that we have a lot of stuff we have to deal with. And if you are realistic about this life particularly as you go through a lot, particularly as you age, we do go through a lot of trials and struggles and challenges and pain and suffering and temptation. That is a part of life. And Paul not only wants us to be realistic about that, he wants us to be equipped We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is full of all these challenges that we face, especially as Christians. Because of the way that we're challenged to deal with them. To deal with them God's way. In a Christ-like manner. When we look around, it's clear that there's evil in the world. And that, had, that has been a challenge to Christians. That has been a challenge to the church. That has been a challenge to the world down through the ages. In fact, philosophers and theologians have called that the problem of evil. The problem of evil has caused some people to doubt whether God exists at all. The problem of evil has sometimes caused some people to question or doubt God in terms of their own walk with the Lord. The problem of evil has sometimes turned people toward the Lord to throw themselves on the Lord, to cry out to Him. But the problem of evil, the basic questions that people raise when they say there's evil in the world, Why hasn't? Why doesn't God deal with it? Is that if God is all good and God is all powerful, why is there struggling? Why is there suffering? Why is there randomness to suffering sometimes? Why is there evil? Why is this happening to me? That's the problem of evil. And my guess is, If you've gone through some struggles or some pain, something that seems to almost attack you personally, you've probably asked the question, why me? And possibly indirectly, if not directly, God, why is this happening? Where are you, God? What's going on? And my guess is, as people turn to the Lord in the early church, when they heard the promise of the gospel, particularly when they had, deal, had been dealing with the whims of the world and gods in particular, and then they hear this good news of the gospel, they would question. Just like many today would Question. And so how do we deal with these questions about suffering and pain and, as Paul puts here, weakness? A couple of weeks ago, I was working out in the gym. And as I was working out, I saw this guy who I've seen several times, we've had conversations. He's a guy about 10, 10 or 15 years younger than me, and he's bigger and stronger than I am. And, um, and so he puts weights on, the free weights on the rack for the bench press. And I look at the weights, and I look at him, and I'm thinking, he can probably handle that okay. But I said to him, I said, if you want a spotter, I'm happy to spot you. And he said to me, it was really interesting, he looked and he said, he said, I can probably handle this, but I'm thinking of putting a little more on. I wouldn't mind one. And and so I thought, you know, that's a good thing. Because I remember a time in my life when I was younger, my dad was a weightlifter. I started lifting weights when I was in about seventh or eighth grade. And I used to lift weights sometimes myself in the basement. And my dad showed me a method to do bench press without having a rack, just rolling the weights up on yourself and then doing the bench press. And I remember one time I got into trouble because I didn't have a spotter. And I got hurt. You know, sometimes we're unwilling to ask for a spotter because sometimes today we don't like to admit that we're weak who likes to admit that they're weak in today's world very few people and there's very few people that were willing to admit a weakness too maybe our doctor sometimes our spouse But we are rarely willing to admit we have a weakness. Because after all, we want to appear like we have it together. Me weak? No, I've got... I'm good. I'm good. I'm strong. I don't need help. I've got this. And there you go. But Paul says the Spirit is there to help us in our weakness. See, the way the Lord has designed the church is first and foremost when Jesus came, he gathered people around himself to show this is not for us to do on our own. Why is it that people think they don't need the church, they don't need the body of Christ, that we are meant to do this, just me and the Lord, just me and the, it's just me and the Lord. I don't need to go to worship, I don't need to go to church, or I don't need to be involved with a small group or connected to other people. It's just me and the Lord. I go to church, punch my clock and leave. It's just me and the Lord. That is not the design of the church. It's not God's idea. We are meant to be the body of Christ connected to each other. Jesus went to the cross in our place for our sin to show us we can't do it ourselves. We need a Savior. And even before he went to the cross, he said, when I go, when I die, when I rise again, when I ascend... I will give you the Holy Spirit because you need a comforter. You need a helper. You need someone to fill you and equip you and guide you and empower you. You can't do this alone. You need a spotter. You need a spotter in your spirit and you need a spotter to encourage you. Hold you accountable, supports you. That's God's design of the church. In our weakness, Jesus became weak, He emptied Himself. As Scripture says, Jesus was part of a trinity, so when he came, he gathered community around himself. Part of a body, if you will. We are meant to have the Holy Spirit in our weakness. That we need the Holy Spirit sometimes just to pray. Because we're so weak. To cry out. I mean, there have been times in my life, during my children's teenage years, if it weren't for Meredith and prayer, When I had my panic attacks, if it weren't for Meredith and my small group in San Antonio and my boss. When Meredith and I got stuck in Italy, stranded because of our flight situation, some of you know about that, eight hours. If it wasn't for a terminal manager and prayer. I mean, I think of times in my life when I had to admit I couldn't figure this out. I couldn't do this. And I needed that peace that passes understanding. Beyond my own ability, his ability, his spirit. That's what we need. Because we can't. He's able. See, then we have the confidence. When Paul says, the beginning of the next paragraph, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We can say, yeah, I buy that. Because you can't if you think you're doing it on your own. Now, there's there's a given in that verse, by the way. There's an assumption. The assumption is He loves us. When we come to Him in faith, we already have the understanding. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He loves us. He gave Himself for us. That's the presumption behind that verse. That's why we can say all things work together for good. Now, here's the keys. For those who love God. So the first question is, do you really love Him? Is this faith that we talk about more than just head knowledge for you? Or is it just head knowledge? Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, yeah, I got this. Or is it really you are wholly dedicated and given over to Him? You love Him. You love Him. Your life is revolves around Him. And you trust Him because you love Him. All things work together for good for those who love God. Because I love Him, I trust Him. And are called according to His purpose. You know what? Many people subconsciously really think we're not called for his purpose. He's called for our purpose. Hey, God, you know what? I have a need. You're there for me, right? You got this for me, right? Later. And if God does what I want, I'll tip him. He doesn't. No tip. I might not even go to that restaurant again. Right? We twist it. Who are we really here for? His purpose or mine? Am I here to serve Him? See, the reality is, He served me by dying for me. That's really it. He gave His life for me, for my salvation. Now my life is a response. I live for His purpose. I live for His glory. I live to serve Him. That's why I love Him in return. So I want to know His way. I want to know His will. I want to know what He wants for me. I want to walk with Him daily. So I know His purpose. And then I can see how He's working for good. Then I can grow in that love relationship, that trust. I won't always see it immediately. Immediately. Doesn't always work like that. Just like my kids didn't always understand when they were younger. But we trust. And Paul says, just as a reminder if God is for us, who's against us? I mean, I remember hearing this a long time ago and the person said, you know, God, me, it's a majority. Right? It doesn't matter who else or what else is out there. God, me, it's a majority. Might not be great English, but it works. If God is for you, The God who created all that is. The God that loved you enough to send His Son for you. The God that sent His Holy Spirit to fill you. The void of your heart to empower you, to strengthen you. That God. If God is for you, who can be against you? Nobody. And nothing can defeat you. And that's why Paul can say, We are more than confident. We know, we trust, and we can have peace. That's belief, that's faith, that's walking with Him. Jesus, who emptied himself, Jesus, who humbled himself, lived this. And that's why we can know it. And Paul, Paul lived this too. Paul, who could say, and this is one of my favorite sections that Paul says when thinking about this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power. my power is made perfect, In your weakness. So I will boast all the more of my weakness. So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For the sake of Christ. For whenever I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why am I strong when I'm weak? Because his power is working in me. His spirit is flowing through me. That's why. Because I'm no longer relying on myself, I'm relying on Him. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He said to His Father, Not my will, but your will be done. Called according to His purpose. Because Jesus said that, what good came? All things work together for good. Our salvation came. What good came? Jesus was able to send the Holy Spirit for us. That's what good came because he said, not my will, your will be done. Your purpose, your good for us. See, here's the question. Do you really love him? He loves you. That's not a question. Do you really love Him? Do you really trust Him? See, if you're dealing with some suffering or pain or struggle right now, you might be questioning. You really need the Holy Spirit. You really need someone to come alongside you and pray with you. And if you're at a good place, then you need the Holy Spirit because there's always a challenge around the corner because we live in a fallen world. There's a problem in this world and it's called evil. But there's a promise that all things work together for good for those who love God. Who are called according to His purpose. And the end of the chapter that will come next week, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Let's pray. God is not aloof from our suffering. Jesus, the suffering servant Savior, the promised one from hundreds of years before he came. In Isaiah, he was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with the infirmity. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed." Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. That in him we know that you understand the suffering and challenges and weaknesses that we face. That through him we see how to walk this walk. Walking this walk with others. Walking this walk in the power of your Holy Spirit and trusting you, our loving Father. Lord, I pray that when we face the challenges that we will face and do face, that we will have the confidence that comes through knowing the gift of Jesus, the power of the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit. And the peace that passes understanding. Lord, we thank you that we can trust that all things work together for good. And that nothing can separate us from your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.